This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn on this. Yes, I am going to say it again. Mitch, a marathon month. And you know, the only thing that sounds better, and yes, I said it a couple of days ago, Mitch Merch. Nothing greater than some Mitch Merch, uh, which you can get at uh, loudtracks.com. Do check that out. But enough with the uh, gratuitous uh, plugging. Uh, today's guest is the one, the only Sherry Curry. She's got a new album out with Bree Darling called The Motivator. And I certainly encourage you to check that out. It, it is uh, coming out uh, August 2nd, I believe. And um, before we get over to Sherry, and, and it was a great pleasure to talk to her. I have to say she was absolutely delightful. We talked about her uh, wood carving, uh, well, chainsaw wood carving my lord i mean I, I look at a butter knife and i get scared so <laughs> can you imagine uh, you know cutting with a with a chainsaw uh we do talk a little bit about the runaways the new album brie darling and, and all that wonderful stuff but uh, before i get over to sherry um on twitter my twitter is at mitch lafon by the way I got a question from uh, from a fan that said what is the one band that i think should have been bigger and just didn't get to that next level for for whatever reason. Without hesitation, I said Thunder and Honeymoon Suite. Now, those two bands, they have the musicianship, they have the singers, they they have the songs. And for whatever reason, Thunder, you know, you look at their first two albums, Backstreet Symphony and Laughing on Judgment Day. Absolute, absolute classics. As good as anything Def Leppard has, uh, has ever done, as good as uh, anything Bon Jovi has ever done, Danny Bowes, the singer, voice of an angel, couldn't get over into the North American market. It, it is unbelievable. Now, the band um, took a little break, came back in uh, 2015 with the album Wonder Days, terrific, rip it up in 2017, terrific. Still tours the UK, still tours Japan, easily plays to three to 5,000 people a night. And you mention it to, to bookers here in North America, don't have a clue as to who you're talking about. In Canada, we have the same kind of band, Honeymoon Suite. Guitarist Derry Green plays like Eddie Van Halen, wails like Eddie Van Halen. He could he could be in a Van Halen cover band, or he could jump in and replace Eddie on a Van Halen tour, and you'd be hard pressed to notice. the The guy is a monster, and of course, uh, you, you know. They, and by the way, a couple of years ago, back in actually 2013, they did a cover. Honeymoon Suite did a cover of Kiss's "Reason to Live." For this, a World with Heroes Kiss tribute that I had uh, put together to, to raise money for a, a palliative care home. And uh, it is only available now via iTunes. It um, In 2013, it was a lot different in terms of getting music all over the place. You couldn't just put it somewhere and then it would be on Spotify and this. It was a little more uh, complicated. Anyway, it only exists on uh, iTunes. And I'm assuming if it's on iTunes, it's on Apple Music. Uh, anyway, uh, but their first album, Honeymoon Suite, with songs like New Girl Now, Burning in Love, Stay in the Light, absolutely, uh, Wave Babies, j just absolutely great pop, 
pop rock, if you want. And then the big album, the big prize, Bad Attitude, Feel It Again, What Does It Take? And uh, the, uh, the the I don't want to call it a duet, but they but they worked with uh, with the guy from Jethro Tull on a song called "All Along New You Knew." Uh, came out in 1986, I guess it was. One of my favorite songs ever. "All Along You Knew" is is absolutely uh, glorious, or delightful, or terrific, or fantastic, whatever adjective fits and. You know, both bands, Thunder and Honeymoon Suite, which if if I ever win the lottery and I have money to spend, I'm going to throw a show here in North America, here in Montreal, with all these bands that no promoter is going to bring over. And I'm just going to make it free for everybody. You just have to show up. I'll say, hey, on the August 10th, 19, you know, the 2021 there will be a show uh, featuring Thunder and, and Honeymoon Suite and Gothard and, and oh, Gatar, as they like to say, and all these bands, and anybody can come for free. Or, or maybe we'll make it a charity event. And, and you know, you have to bring some perishable goods or something. Anyway, uh, boy, would I love to do that. Um, but these two bands, if you haven't checked them out, and, you know, if you live in the States or or... Even Canadians who don't know Thunder, go check out their albums. Pull out for for. Okay, so hmm, I'm going to make some recommendations. If you want just sort of a a Def Leppard, Bon Jovi sort of big arena rock, uh, start with Thunder. Start with uh, Backstreet Symphony. Uh, then maybe go on to uh, Laughing on Judgment Day. If you want to see what the band is up to. In the 2000s, go over to Rip It Up and then over to Wonder uh, Days. As for Honeymoon Suite, start with the big prize. And if you like that sort of Van Halen guitar thingy, go over to um, Racing After Midnight. And then and then go to Honeymoon Suite. And then in 2008, they put an album out called Clifton Hill. Now, the interesting thing about Clifton Hill is that their manager-producer at the time, Tom Tremuth, sent me the album with a track listing, and, and I played it, and it, and it just it, it just had no flow and no pace, and so I, I threw it in the iTunes, and I, and I re-sequenced it, and I wrote Tom, and I said, dude, you, you've got to listen to the album with this sequence, you know, with, with these, you know, 1 to 12 or whatever. And it, I said it flows better, it sounds better, it, it's more interesting. And he he listened, and he wrote me back, and he said, "Yeah, that sounds right." Anyway, the, the album ended up being with, uh, put out with my uh, track listing suggestions, so or my sequencing, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, anyway, uh, enough about that. Uh, do go over to my Twitter and maybe suggest some bands that uh, should have been bigger, and maybe that I should check out. Uh, you can find me at Mitch Lafon, and uh, now let's get over to uh, Sherry Curry. We are going to talk about the new album, The Motivator, and all kinds of other stuff. Here is the one, the only, and an exceptionally nice person, Sherry Curry. We are speaking to uh, Sherry Curry. The new album is The Motivator, out in August, August 2nd to be precise, via, via uh, Blue Elan Records. Uh, bonjour, K uh, Sherry. How are you? Well, it's Sherry, Mitch. The 
Well, I, <laughs> I'm. But I'm French. It's chérie, chérie. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm up in Montreal, so so I have a. Yeah, it's very French. I have a I have a French uh, way of saying the names, but but just a great pleasure to talk to you. I have uh, followed obviously the career since the Runaways and all that, and it's just a, a great pleasure to finally get you on the phone. I know you've done work on the Shameless album and all this other stuff, so it's nice to to finally talk to you. Well, thank you. The feelings mutual. So. Let us let us talk about this album, uh, The Motivator, that is coming out in August. First of all, it is with Brie Darling, or as we say in Quebec, uh, Brie Darling. Um, <laughs> right? No, there's, there's no French pronunciation of that. But uh, talk to me about this collaboration. How did you and Brie get together? Well, it was a fluke. Uh, I was asked to participate uh, on the Fanny Walks the Earth album. There was a song that Brie had written called When, when We Need Her. Uh, she brought in uh, girls from the Go-Go's, and, um, and I was one of the people that, you know, cause they wanted people that kind of broke the ice a little bit as far as female musicians, rock artists, whatever. And, and I, I got to listen to the song ahead of time, and I just was blown away by her vocal. I just thought she was the best. The best vo- vocal- vocalist I'd heard in a very long time. So when I went into the studio with all these other gals, I um I uh I just had to tell her that. And of course I, I think that that kind of took her back a little bit because unfortunately, you know, women just don't they just don't give each other compliments like they should, you know, and it's too bad. I I was raised that way. I I just I just say it as I as I see it, and she to me was just an amazing artist. And I kind of stepped out a little bit on the vocals with the, the group vocals we were doing, and I guess I caught her husband's eye as well, who was producing the album. And they had me do a a, a solo session for that song um, on another day, and then he just kind of threw out that that we should make a record together. And of course, I hear that all the time. And I just was sure. <laughs> I was actually selling my house at the time. I was in escrow for some land up north, and I was going to leave this business. I mean, gone, and build a couple cabins and chainsaw carve and relax and enjoy my life. I wanted nothing to do with this music business anymore. I'd been touring on a record that never came out until lately, and uh, and it just my whole life changed. Uh, Bree and I started recording together, and I really realized that there was something very special there. And it took me from being gone out of this business to really realizing that this was something that I could not, I, I could not go away from this, that there, this was something, this was a gift that I really had been looking for in my life. And uh, just had the best time is the easiest record I've ever made. made. And uh, of course, working with Dave Darling, who's a six time Grammy nominated producer, was just a privilege and fun. So Bree and I now, we're going to do everything that we've ever wanted to do in this business. And we're going to do it together. We've both been through the same things with the same disappointments. And uh, we're just not going to let that happen anymore. We're just going to have a blast. So uh, am I understanding then that this is not a one-off project? This is something that you might do, you know, a second album and a third album. Is, is this sort of a renouveau for you? Well, we signed a four-album deal with Blue Elan. So we're, we're already starting to write the second album. Wow, that's great news. Which it, we'll do mainly on the road. Which we'll do mainly on the road. But uh, we just signed with TKO, and uh, 
Of course, this album's coming out a little late in the game for any kind of summer shows. Uh, so that's okay because our uh, we've got uh, Dave Schultz, who is our band leader, who's just an unbelievable uh, piano man and keyboard extraordinaire, vocalist extraordinaire, great performer. Um, and so he goes on tour with Berlin on the 2nd of August and he for a few weeks. And then when he gets back, we're going to fine-tune the show and be ready to start doing shows when, when that happens. When you do get out there and start playing shows, do you focus on just what uh, you and Bree have done with the motivator and what, what might be coming down? Or do you look at the entire career that you've both been involved with and sort of cherry pick, no pun intended with Cherry Bomb, of course, but cherry picks are the, the best? What kind of presentation are fans going to expect? They're going to get exactly what they want because it's all about the fans. It's always been about the fans. So uh, Bree's going to be picking a couple Fanny songs or Fanny Walks the Earth songs. I'll be picking a couple Runaway songs. We have to pay homage to why we even know each other and and to each other's past and our history, history in this business. And and again, what the fans want. And if we decided that we were going to walk away from Cherry Bomb or anything, you know, it would just be wrong. And plus, I, I perform Cherry Bomb better than anyone else, so why not? <laughs> that was always my song. Right, yeah, you do, it's, and it's a great song. So you you mentioned that before meeting Bree, you wanted to, to, to sort of pack up and walk away. What has sort of kept you in the music business? Because if you look back at the history, and, and we, we sort of study the history, and we hear the stories coming out from the Runaways camp, I would have gone running. So So what sort of kept you motivated to keep going in the biz? Well, I actually became a decent singer. By the time I left the Runaways, I actually, when I joined the Runaways, I'd never really sang live or anything like that ever. So, um, and my voice was changing. All of our voices were, of course, we were just going through puberty when we got our first record. Uh, and uh, it's, you know, it. Wow. I just went blank. I don't even remember what the question was. Well, the question was, because, you know, when we hear the stories, and I'm not going to start repeating them, but when we hear some of the stories about the runaways. I remember now what kept me in the business. Sure. Well, you know, the thing is, is that it was in my blood. By the time I left the band, it was already deeply a part of who I was. I learned who I was on tour with those girls on every stage that I ever performed on. I learned more about who I was because, again, being a twin, you know, you never quite know who you are. It's always you and your twin sister, and she was the more popular one. I was kind of the runt and not popular. Uh, so being a twin isn't always a great thing. It's a struggle. So I was be- I was able to find out who I was, not just being Marie Curry's twin sister. Um, and, uh, you know, once I was in the business, it was always going to be a part of my life. And I was always asked to either guest on records or guest live on, on stage with other bands. And um, so I never let go of it. I continued to write and record. And then, I, of course, I, I became a drug counselor and a fitness trainer. And uh, then I got married to Robert Hayes and had a, a beautiful baby boy who's now 28 years old who's an amazing Jake Hayes, who is an amazing uh, musician and singer and, and stage person, he actually toured uh, four tours with me in the U.S. 
Um, and uh, but to be honest, when I made this record, uh, uh, Boulevards of Splendor, Matt Sorm produced it. Uh, for Blackheart, uh, Kenny Laguna was my manager at the time, and I opened for Joan at Pacific Amphitheater, and then that was such a great show, and I never worked again. I, they never let me, for two years, they, they let me sit, and they never put the record out. Nine years later, now they put the record out. But, you know, I decided to go on tour on my own uh, to push that record, even though there wasn't any record to sell. But it was, uh, it was such a disappointment to me and I felt so betrayed by it that uh, by the time I was finished, I, the last tour I did was in Australia. I came back and I just wanted nothing to do with the business anymore. It just was too painful of an experience. So um, meeting Bree and, and Dave and making this record and actually truly enjoying it. And, you know, there's just so much camaraderie and sisterhood in it and uh, that it was everything that I ever wanted in The Runaways has come full circle with, with Brie and everything she ever wanted in Fanny has now come full circle with me. And it's just a, it's a, it's a match. It's a miracle for me to, to where I can't wait to get on stage. Now I wanted, I was done. I really was. But I think the beauty of it is that it's going to show other people that think their lives are done and thinks that they, there's not another chance for them that there is, you know, I, it took me giving up entirely for this gift to come my way, I believe. And uh, so I, I can never say that, that it's over because it, it, it just isn't. If the universe says it's not over, it's not over. Yeah. And, and I'm definitely not over and Bree's not over. In fact, we're, you know, this is going to be the best time of our lives. Musically on this, on, on the four album deal, do you feel any kind of pressure to put out a certain sound and, and be, well, we need a we need another Runaways album. We need, or do you create a new sound that's going to be sort of throughout the four albums? Or are you really sort of looking forward to exploring and every album will be its own moment and its own space? The latter, for sure. I mean, the thought of even putting out anything that remotely is, you know, Runaways. Of course, you're talking about 15, 16-year-old girls uh, that could play three chords or most of the songs were only three chords. The beauty of the Runaways is that kids can learn those songs easily and sing to those songs easily. You know, not like television today with uh, American Idol and The Voice, which I think really destroyed so many young people's dreams if they feel that that's the way they have to sing to be somebody. I mean, Bob Dylan never would have made it. You know, Mick Jagger never would have been brought in. They People would have been laughed off that stage. It's just so sad that so many extraordinary young people with talent probably will never be heard because of shows like that. They're entertaining, but unfortunately in today's age with social media and so on and so forth, it's just, I'm so glad I don't have to grow up in this particular time and space. I was extraordinarily lucky. You sound like you're very young, but I was extraordinarily lucky to grow up in the late sixties and seventies where, where just dreams were, they were there for the taking. Now it's just way too much pressure, and, and it's hard for kids to be themselves because they don't think they're going to be accepted as such. So, um, And thank you for the compliment. I, I'm, I'm actually 50, but I'm glad I sound young. <laughs> no. Oh, you do. You sound... Yes, you do. See? Uh, well, congratulations and, on 50. You're a mere child. I know, I uh, know. 
Uh, but anyway, well, yeah. And, and uh, it's funny you mentioned that because my, my interview before you was actually an American Idol winner. So uh, I, I want to explore sort of the, the moving forward of the business from, from the time you started to the runaways now. And I'm going to start with the, with the easy question in a sense. Do you think that the sort of music business space has gotten better for women? Because, again, we look at the stories and it's not just the runaways. You look at anybody uh, and you go, well, there was all kinds of boardroom shenanigans and there was this and you had to sleep your way to the top and it was horrible. I think that's changed. Do, do you feel a perception that that women get a better shake or a better, um, you know, and I'm not trying to sound sexist, but you, you know what I mean? Do, do you think it's changed or have we not uh, disregard, not put aside what it was back then? Have, have we moved forward? Oh, absolutely. I, people that say that, that we haven't, they need to be on meds. I mean, it, it's just changed uh, in a huge way. And, of course, with the Me Too movement as well, I mean, my only fear is it's, it might go too far to the point where, because men are great. Men are wonderful. But right now, you know, with that movement in particular, I'm, I'm starting to be a little fright, frightened of it because, uh, you know, um, men are great, and I'm afraid that they're, they're going to be afraid to even pay a woman a compliment anymore. And that kind of stuff, I think, is just way overboard. Um, coming from a, a band where there really were, where, where was Fanny and there was Susie Quattro and that was it. And, uh, we were, really weren't taken seriously. Um, and we weren't really, uh, we were, we had some pretty rough times with some of the bands we played with that were men and whether they were, you know, on our label or not, we were kind of a joke. We were, we, you know, that's what they thought. But the thing is, is in the end, uh, you know, we held our own and, we did what we what we came to do, but uh, I think that women again it's about your own self respect. I think this whole group mentality can, in the end, in my opinion, be detrimental. It's 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 and it's not just women. It's whether it's uh, you know um, you know. Well, just even younger artists. Every, every category of human being right now, it's all about your own self-respect and how you respect yourself. Uh, my my fear is that the whole group mentality thing is that allows things to, to run away from you, and, uh, if that makes any sense at all. It does. And then the other thing is we, we quickly touched upon American Idol, and I am certainly not going to come to the defense of American Idol, but... Back in the day in the 70s, you know, bands like Kiss, bands like Aerosmith, bands like you had two or three albums to sort of get it right. And, and the record company stuck with you. And there were certainly a lot of clubs to go to and a lot of live music opportunities. Now you really sort of get one song, not forget three albums, forget three songs. You sort of get that one song it is and you sort of have to have a sort of an American idol to have a place to show your wares. Do you think that? Oh, I'm not putting, I'm not putting that show down. I've watched it. I've enjoyed it. I love it when the underdog comes out and just blows everybody away. That's what I live for whenever I do watch that show. Uh, because that's where we came from, you know, being the underdogs and, uh, having something special. I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying that, 
with the kind of singing, you know, the Oh, yeah, all those runs, they drive I mean, me crazy. I can't handle it. I mean, to me, that that's yes, it's 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 great to be able to have that kind of control. But all the great, um, you know, Don McLean's American Pie. I mean, you know, Vincent and some of the great songs that I grew up with. Look, he he wasn't a great singer by any means, but you know, I don't know if he would have made it onto American Idol. I, that's the, that's my fear is that when people listen to these some of these singers that do. And they do possess incredible talent. Uh, but that seems to be, that's why I can't listen to anything but classic rock, because I just can't relate uh, to, this, to the vocalists these days. It just isn't my cup of tea. Uh, it just isn't. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. And, but, and we've totally sanitized. Sorry, I was just going to say we totally sanitized rock, which is why I can't listen to the new music. The, you know, there, there was a pr- producer that once said to me, there's a perfection in the imperfection, and now we've sort of auto-tuned and cleaned it up and straightened it up, and it's just like, well, where's the soul? Where, where's the soul in this music, right? Exactly. You're absolutely right, and I love that. There's a perfection in the imperfection. It's so, so true. And, you know, the humanity has kind of left. It's very uh, whitewashed and precise and... And you know what? But yet you just look at the Internet with these kids that, you know, always on their iPhones and it's all about, you know, it's all high tech. And it's I don't understand it. I'll never be able to capture that in my life, nor would I ever want to. I'm still a big fan of Andy Griffith and, you know, the <laughs> you know, the Andy Griffith show and all that stuff, which brings me back to much simpler times when, you know, just you being who you are was enough. And I don't know if we actually have that anymore. I think that's dead. And that's a little scary for me. It's so much pressure for young people. I mean, enormous pressure that I can't even imagine. Because, I mean, before, when we were going to school, you know, it was just being as nice, as good a person as you can. Now it's you have to be the smartest. You have to be better than the other person. Just, oh, my gosh, I'm just so glad that I don't have to grow up in today's world. That's for sure. Yeah. The simple things aren't appreciated, nor are they even seen anymore. The simple things, like a telephone call. I mean, that is hardly exists anymore, right? Oh, the telephone call. I, I used to spend three, four hours a, a night on the phone. Now, if you phone me for more than three minutes, it's like, just just text me. Just, just send me a text. I'll get back to you when I have a moment. Um, Before we leave, I want to ask you about this. There's a fabulous, fabulous website out there, chainsawchick.com which is uh, your Chainsaw Art website. Um, talk to me a little bit about that, because when, when that, that first was breached with me or broached, I went, Chainsaw Art? Like, literally? Chainsaws and art? Um, <laughs> right? I was like, what? Wait? Uh, how do sort yeah, of you get into that? And, and, I, and, and you've got folks, folks have got to go check out the pictures. You know, look up uh, Sherry with the, the, the Chainsaw Art. There are some magnificent people. I mean, Truly magnificent pieces. So, so how do you get into chainsaw art? Well, first, it's a very, very, very old site. And unfortunately, uh, my management at the time kind of locked it down. So I ended up uh, 
putting an icon on the main page where I'm standing next to that eight-foot praying woman. There's a little camera icon that says new feature right under the picture on that main page. Click on that, and that will take you to albums of my newer work. Uh, from start to finish, I shoot how I do it, uh, and it's really it's vast as well. The old site is vast, but it's old. The, so click, make sure people... That you that you click on that camera. Yeah, uh, I'm clicking on it right now. There's there's pictures of of dogs and bears and and a snake one and a, and a guitar put into a bench. I mean, it, it's spectacular. I mean, I, man, I would love to have some of these from. It's just spectacular. So, so how do you get into that? Is I mean, you don't just you're not just sitting around going, hey, maybe I should go carve that log today. I mean, how do you learn the craft? How, who teaches you? Who do you watch? Where does the skill come from? Well, you know what? Art has always been a savior for me. I actually had got my first book deal with Price Dirt and Sloan because I went to them as an artist for children's books because while I was a counselor and a tech at a, a drug rehab for, for young adults or teens, uh, I would have to sit in school with them for two hours a day. And so I started sketching. And I, and I really had always kind of been a little bit of an artist in school, but never really fine-tuned it. And I started drawing. And so um, Rick Frio, who was my manager at the time, took me to Pryster and Sloan as an artist. And then they said, how long have you been drawing? And I said, a year. And they said, well, how is that possible? And I told them the story about the runaways. And they said, we've been looking for our first young adult book, and this is it. So I walked in as an artist and walked out an author. So uh, art has always propelled me into really great things. So I went from sketching to painting, and I uh, had painted a steer skull on a on a uh, oak tabletop that I found in somebody's trash, and I just want I just wanted to carve it out a two dimensional relief carving. So I started doing relief carvings and staining and painting them, and then I was going to the beach one day, and I was on the back of a motorcycle, and we passed this Malibu Mountain Gallery, and there was a couple guys chainsaw carving at the side of the road, and I could not get it out of my head. Every morning I woke up, that voice, you know, that voice we have to listen to, kept saying, you must go back, you must go back. And I did a couple weeks later, brought some of my artwork with me, and I walked into their gallery and saw these stunning mermaids and dolphins. And it wasn't like, you know, the crude, uh, you know, lumberjack-type bears that you do see sometimes. This was, this was art, and that voice said, you can do this. And so I turned to Rio, who was uh, the owner, and I said, I want to learn to chainsaw carve. And he looked at my art. He goes, we'll teach you. And uh, they taught me how to not kill myself with the saw, which is great. But it's very difficult to be able to, even though I've taught myself, I've taught people to carve. It, it's really something that either you see it or you don't. And it, it's not easy when you start to get that three-dimensional carving done. But once you... Once you master that, I, I, by 2005, I was competing in um, a lot of competitions, uh, you know, in Pacific Northwest and, and winning these competitions, replacing in them. And, uh, and I, I started a business and I've had two galleries myself. And, you know, it's just something that I love. In fact, when I hang up with you, I'm going out to uh, carve this uh, indie, uh, in, a story Indian that I'm doing. I only do special orders now. Well, I, I, I'm amazed because I look at that and, I mean, I, I'm scared just to cut a branch in the backyard. So, 
I, I, I just I can't imagine. And uh, I know we're running out of time, so I'll finish with this. Um, if you could just look back for a second to that first Runaways album, you look at the first song, first side, Cherry Bomb. It has lasted for now, what is it, uh, forty-three years? I guess, right? Is that is that in my math correct? Or maybe, fi- yeah. Um, just you know, you're you're young. You have this first album out. You've got this song that has now lasted for forty-three years. How do you sort of look back at that and sort of take stock of it? Because you know, you you were young and inexperienced, but yet you've got one of these classic songs that have. What what sort of your memory of that first album and 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 the forty years that came after it? Well, you know, Cherry Bomb never would have been written had I picked a different Susie Quattro song to do my audition with. I picked Fever, uh, Susie Quattro's version, to audition for the Runaways. Of course, the girls were not happy with that. And Kim Fowley, you know, I spent a lot of the last days of his life, I moved him into my house when he was dying of cancer. And uh, Kim was a songwriter like no one I've ever known. He brought Joan into the house, and knowing Kim and how he writes, I mean, just that that flowed right out of his mouth, all the lyrics that he came up with for Cherry Bomb, and he wrote it for me to audition. That's what he felt when he saw me. And and uh, so I think had I not walked into the picture, that song never would have been written. And to be for that to be the very first song I ever recorded with the, uh, with the, the band is super cool. And the corset, you know, that I realized wearing a corset for that song was going to propel the song forward, which it did. And I mean, I was just, just, just was about to turn 16 when I recorded that song. And uh, I'm just very grateful. You know, I'm grateful for everything that's happened in my life, good and bad, because uh, I appreciate everything so much today that, you know, if I could talk to that girl at 15 years old, that, that scared girl that was so intimidated and, and frightened, you know, that, hey, you know what, this is really going to be okay. You're going to have a great life. And uh, you're lucky. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, that's the way I feel. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. And my, my daughter's turning 15, 16 in August, just before your album is released, actually, the day before. So you could you can call her and tell her everything's going to be OK. But uh, an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I've been trying for for a long time and it's always never worked out, but we got it done. And it, it, it's terrific. And of course, uh, the album with uh, Brie is called The Motivator, comes out August 2nd. And uh, it's terrific. Folks, folks will absolutely love it. I, I, I just know it. Well, thank you so much. And hey, you know what? Stay in touch because when we're out in your area, we'd love to have you as a guest. Yes, absolutely. And and, and if you need any help getting to Canada or getting to Montreal or Ottawa and Toronto, let me know. I, I help bands all the time. I, I deal with the promoters. I, I can certainly uh, help make that happen. That's a promise. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so yes. much. You're a darling. And, and, and tell your daughter happy birthday. And it's going to be okay. Yeah, she, she, she's August 1st. So, I mean, you know what? I'll have to get her a, the, the motivator as a gift. I think that's what I'm going to have to do. Um, but I do encourage oh, folks to get so, it. Yes. Well, you know what? Reach out, reach out to, uh, to Ken and give me your address. So I'll send her a, a photo and, and my book that I wrote, which is rare. I mean, I have the last copies of the very first paperback that Price Dirt and Sloan uh, put out, which is for young adults. Of course, I rewrote the book uh, 
when the movie came out, I made it an adult book. I told the stories I couldn't tell in this young adult book, but it's a really great read. Neil Schusterman, amazing, amazing writer, wrote the book with me, and I would love to give that gift that to her for her birthday. And uh, so please reach out to Ken and give me your address and uh, and her name, and uh, and I will send a little care package out to her. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. For her birthday. Sweet 16 coming up. So, uh, you know, my, my hair is finally going to go oh, gray. I think. <laughs> as we say, oh, in, yeah, she's got a great dad. Thank you. And as I was going to say, as, as we say in Montreal, uh, merci beaucoup. Thank you very much. And uh, very much looking forward to the uh, album coming out and having a physical copy. I'm a physical copy kind of person. And of course, folks, uh, Boulevards of Splendor was a record store release this year, and uh, do pick that up as well. It is uh, it is definitely worth your time. Merci. Well, merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup? Yes, merci beaucoup. Thank you. Well, oh, thank you, my friend. All right, well, we will speak again soon. Cheers. Have a good day. Cheers. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFond. Rock Talk. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com.